Welcome to the Pocket Mastermind podcast. Uh, my guest today has many strings to his bow, including, get ready for this list, motivational speaker, a professional development coach, uh, TV and film producer, as well as star, uh, including the movie of How Thoughts Become Things. Uh, and for the last best part of 30 years, I'd say, uh, has been the founder and CEO of Architects of Being, uh, online training academy, uh, where he's been helping people uh, change their lives. So... Dr. Travis Fox, welcome to the Pocket Mastermind podcast. Thanks, mate. Every time I hear that, two things go through my head. One, are they talking about me? And two, <laughs> where, when the hell did it become 30 years? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I turned 50 in November, but I'm a 50-year-old trap on a 16-year-old mind. So I'm like, hey, <laughs> I don't think we ever grow up, do we? No, no, no. I'm Benjamin Button. I'm, I'm giving my life <laughs> first. I was responsible young. Now I'm like, hey, let's just go play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I was, I was just saying to you a minute ago, I've been looking forward to this because uh, there's a number of topics that you're passionate about that I share with you and helping people to change their lives, break out of, uh, you know, the illusion I've heard you describe it as. And it's something I've definitely, uh, a terminology I've used myself, um, but also the edge, you know, changing the education system and that kind of thing and, and how the two are really intrinsically linked, right? We are a product of of the education system that we come through and that's where the illusion is is cast but before we get into that stuff okay. let's learn a bit a little bit more about Travis Fox my long intro is one part but let, let's give us a tell us a bit more how did you what was the journey that took you to where you are now great question uh, yeah well again thanks for letting me be on the show and yes I'm extraordinarily passionate about education but from a different perspective we'll get into that a little bit here mm -hmm. in a minute uh, wherever it goes uh, I'm, my journey is kind of unique. Uh, I'm probably a lot like most um, people. Uh, my, my life was kind of planned out for me by my father. My father, uh, I, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, but then was whisked off to, to Japan uh, for the first uh, three and a half years of my life, came back. Uh, I was about a year in Florida, and my father put a golf club in my hand, and it was just kind of a natural for me. And that was the way we started to, to relate as father and son, most primarily. And it became a kind of a performance thing, at a boy thing. And then we were off to Germany for three and a half years and then came back. And then by the time I got back to um, the United States, you know, I was like, what's McDonald's? <laughs> I've grown up on sushi and sauerkraut. I'm like, what the heck is this? So it was an interesting culture <laughs> shock. Culture shock yeah. yeah, I was like, well, that's news. Um, and then, so my, uh, you know, my life wanted, my father wanted me to be a PGA Tour professional golfer. That was it. I mean, mm -hmm. middle school, high school, that was like, you know, I was a great athlete at pretty much everything else, but I wasn't really that interested. You know, I could throw, so I played quarterback and then, you know, got blindsided, cracked a rib and said, this is not a career choice. I'm not interested in that. <laughs> yeah, this, this game hurts. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, because I, yeah, I damn sure can't see it coming. And I was like, apparently I'm completely blind on the left side, so let's not do that. Baseball was, you know, just moved too slow for me. I, I pitched because, again, I have, I have a strong arm. But golf made sense to me because golf was, you know, Everything was different. Every shot was different. And so it was always very intriguing to me from a mental perspective. And so I got really into mindset training at a very early age. You know, Dr. Dennis Waitley was really the one that kind of opened me up to this concept back in the middle 80s with the psychology of winning. And, you know, now coming full circle, now as Dr. Fox myself, having to be able mm -hmm. to do not one but two films with him this year was kind of this great little completion of that. But um, as all things kind of happen, the long, long story longer, there's your plan, your dad's plan, and then there's life. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I made the choice as I, we were talking about before the, the podcast started, 
I'm kind of Benjamin Button. I live my life a little bit backwards. And so I became a father very early. Uh, my senior year of high school, rolling into my freshman year of college, I became a father. And being a father in and of itself wasn't an, enough of a change for me. I then, you know, had to go one step further and the relationship was smashed. And, you know, um, there was a lot of emotional trauma that came from that. And I realized that I had no idea how to handle, you know, a broken heart, or at least at that time, what I thought was a broken heart. And I became a, I went from great golfer to basket case, literally overnight, wow. where all this mental training, mental coaching was crap because it was driven. And this is what really became the impetus for my, my life's work was we spent so much time on my, mind coaching, mindset, mind training that you, you get, people forget that your mind has nothing to do with it. Your mind is just a product. Well, the emotional trauma was what was driving everything. Mm -hmm. So I was, I mean, I'm going to be on the golf course in one minute. And I'm like, yay. The next minute I'm <laughs> crying. Why are the roses so pretty? And I'm like, holy shit, I've lost my mind. And, uh, I went to the psychology department, asked for help, and they really wanted to do a Freudian model. I mean, let's talk about your mom and your dad. They said, well, that's great, mate. What does that have to do with me hitting the golf ball? You know? And I met my mentor, and my mentor who really kind of took me to the next level and said, well, let's talk about subconscious. Let's talk about shadow subconscious. Let's talk about structure. I had never heard of it. I'm like, what? Yeah, what does all that mean? <laughs> and I'm like, are you Merlin the magician? Who the hell are you? Yeah. And it changed my life instantly. And I knew, I felt this overwhelming presence in my being of that's your path, that's where we're going. And I used uh, golf as a way for me to unwind me, to figure out what was, the make, what was the architecture that got me to this place? What was I not seeing? What did I see? The whole deal. And 15 years later, you know, and a couple, you know, doctorates later and all these letters before and after my name, I was just like, a, oh, just a couple of doctorates. Yeah, just a couple. I'm like, okay, you know, I got more letters before and after my name than my bloody name, but I'm still <laughs> stupid. I don't get it. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I'm, you know, thousands of hours on stage, film and television and Emmys, all these other things, but something still wasn't quite there. It was like, mm -hmm. and it was the birth of my third child, my second son, uh, in my young thirties, who was born autistic that changed everything. And that's where the architects of being community and online academy really kicked into high gear. Um, two things. My son didn't care about any of my mindset training. Didn't give a crap about Dr. Fox and the awards, all this other stuff. He didn't care. He spoke a very particular language and that language was emotions or truth. Mm -hmm. I sucked at it. Um, I knew how to teach it, but I had no idea what the hell I was talking about. I was just full of shit. I was like, I, I'm, I'm repeating what they told me to say because that sounds like a cool coachy thing to say and I got letters and I'm supposed to be credible and all. And good. I'm, a good, I'm a good mindset coach and I can you know, do subconscious restructuring blade, but it did, it, and all the things that the architecture matters, it still forgot the one thing that mattered most and that was the heart of the matter. And he, um, he really changed my world. And it, um, so I thought the best thing for me to do was take a couple of years off, stop teaching, um, especially when I found out the, the etymology of the word doctor goes back to a Latin word that means teacher. <laughs> I was like, well, shit, I don't know if I'm worthy of that title. Let me, let me, let me step back. And what does that mean to be a teacher? Cause I really love teaching. That's really my passion, mm -hmm. but I had, it had been framed differently because that's what they had told me to again, going back to the education system of this is what a doctor is supposed to look like and the houses and the cars and the blonde wife and you know, the kids and the RVs and we're traveling and the, you got all this stuff mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be a successful life, but it wasn't quite like the, the gears hadn't clicked yet. I was on purpose and on point, but I hadn't ignited the real passion within. It was just there. Um, and he did that. He, he came in and said, I'm not going to talk to you. I have no interest in jamming with you unless you're going to be present with me and you're just going to be you, not Travis, not doc, not dad, and all these titles, just be present. And from that moment is when it changed everything where architects have been exploded. And I went, ah, oh, 
I think it's exploded in a positive way. And it was like, mm-hmm. ah, that's what Doc was actually teaching me all those years because he was running me all over to hell and gone, training me and doing some Obi-Wan shit. And I was like, man, this is deep. And he's like, yeah. And he took me to these amazing levels. Um, but he was always inviting me to the one thing that I never understood until Corey was born. And that was, he had trained me in hypnosis, NLP, you know, uh, Erickson therapy, covert, uh, covert suggestional sequences, metaphoric you know, rebounding, you know, therapeutic metaphor, really intense stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I never understood why. And it finally clicked when he said, Trav, he goes, I didn't teach you all that so that you could help people go to sleep. I taught all that so that you could help people wake themselves up because they're already hypnotized. There is no such thing as hypnosis. Even though I'd spent thousands of hours on stage lecturing, doing it, giving demonstrations. Oh, I can hypnotize you. Oh, Travis, shut up. Right? <laughs> what, I, what he really, when he finally gave me that last lesson before he took the journey, um, you know, and left the planet. And mm-hmm. then my uh, second son came in and I counted this choreography between the two. They must've been talking in spirit before they showed up. Cause they're like, okay, I'm going to pass the buck. Okay. He's yours now. I've done all I can do. Your turn to deal with this guy. And uh, you can take it to the next level. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm done. I've done my time. I'm going to go hang out on planet, whatever. And uh, it's your job, Corey. And what happened was it really then put the whole thing came together. It locked. And now the, the blueprint that we create in the architects community is, is two different folds and probably what's out there. Well, I know it's out there differently. Ours is different from the perspective of we don't approach it from we have all the answers. In mm-hmm. fact, I'll tell you point blank. I don't have an answer. I don't have a damn clue. I'm just as screwed up as you are. I just know I am. That's the only difference. Yeah. But create an architectural blueprint based on clinical application and experience at the exact same time so that you can understand what your brain is actually doing, what the physiology of your body is doing, and how that's being driven by what we call your being or the architect, your heart, your guts, your chi, your soul, whatever you want to call it. We call it, you know, architect for simplicity. And then how to actually use that as a real system and to educate people that you can architect your life and your lifestyle on passion, purpose, and point and enjoy the experience. And I'm not talking about just singing Kumbaya and dancing naked around a fire, although that's fun. That's not what I mean. I mean, you can be a, uh, a good, strong business person, entrepreneur, uh, developer, cultural, uh, human resources, doesn't matter to me. Um, or you can be as simple as just, hey, I wanna help my family understand how to live true to themselves. Cause it's the number one thing I think, and I think you would agree, that we all really get screwed up on. I mean, we're, we're taught to not listen to ourselves and then we're gonna yeah. go find ourselves. like. Do we get a roadmap to find myself that I leave myself on the side of a bus stop somewhere? Was I drunk one night and I had an out of body experience? So you hear all these things that don't seem like much when you hear them, but, and they're just kind of these innocuous statements, but they become very real because we're all great architects. The challenge is we're either architecting more often than not what we don't want because that's what we programmed to do. And we have no idea what we really want or how to do that. And so those are the things that really, you know, change it from here. And then obviously I've, you know, I've spent the last, you know, 15 years, really creating a learning system that isn't just watch a video and hope to God to get it. It's interactive. It's DNA driven. It gets in your system so that it is a part of your being, not from like, Hey, follow Travis Fox. Please don't do that. Become the architect that you are. I'll give you the blueprint. You're the builder. You know, you're going to you build a house with a blueprint. You do freeways, you do podcasts. Everything's built with an architectural blueprint. How come we don't have blueprints for ourselves where we can build and design the life that we want, understanding that the wealth set of skills that you learn in the community and, and, the, and the academy can never be taken from you. And the riches of that are expressed in finances, relationships, networking, network marketing, podcasting, becoming authors. And it isn't from a place of piety or authoritarianism. It's a space of just being. 
And then you start to understand without going too deep down the rabbit hole, although we did in the one film and the other one we did this year, um, you are connected. Now, how you mm -hmm. want to approach that is up to you, but either way, you have the well set of skills that can never be taken from you. When you move to that space, competition becomes irrelevant. It's just not that interesting. What becomes interesting is, hey, David, let's go on an adventure, mate. You want to go do this? Let's go climb Kilimanjaro. Let's build the biggest podcast in the world and do something. Or, hey, let's do a series of books. And it's not necessarily financial driven, although that's a part of it. It's the finances become a thank you for expressing that being and that value and that system that someone else can do that for their journey. Because one of the things we, the first thing we teach at the academy is what's called the noble truth. And the noble truth is no one's getting off this planet alive, period. You're all going to leave the same, including yeah. me, broken <laughs> dead, right? Broken dead is the way it's going to happen, boys and girls. How you live though is really going to be the question. And I don't mean just how you live. It's more about life without living is the ultimate undoable regret. And most people experience that upon their deathbed. Mm -hmm. Obviously C-19 has definitely pushed that envelope a little further and a little more advanced in our face. But I also think this is the greatest time for us to do two things. Let's really take a look and architect our life and our lifestyle for what we really want, right? Because as I'll use a golf analogy, as I turn 50 later this year, I'm starting the back nine of my life. I played the front nine. Okay, a couple bogeys, a couple birdies, hit a couple trees, you know, made some good shots, made some stupid shots, but pretty much came across par. Par sucks. Let's go swing for every shot. Let's go for every par five and two. Let's go for every pin because guess what? On the 19th hole, it's over. And so I find that this generation and really between the 35 and 55 demo is finally, the demographic is finally going, you know, this, this whole concept of go to work and the things that we thought were really important because of how long we've been quote unquote shut down, delayed, whatever the mm -hmm. hell it is, pick your term has really given us the time where we cannot realize that traveling and not outrun you're right <laughs> yeah traveling where to work for three yeah. hours each way is bullshit right. <laughs> yeah that's you're like this that's moronic and i've watched everything yeah. on netflix i've watched everything on amazon hell i'm i you know i'm i'm bored making my own mill movies <laughs> and we get tired of the rhetoric and we really get to start to ask what's interesting what what do i really yeah. want to experience because you know if i only have 30 days left to live would i be doing anything i'm doing and most of the time the answer is no so architect gives you a blueprint to architect your life, have everything you want now. And I don't mean like, hey, you think it'll fall off the damn sky. I mean, true understanding of what that means for you and restructure your value system and then go pew, like there's no tomorrow. And that's how we arrive here. And what's the, so what's the, what's the starting point of that then? So because I would gamble that if you ask 100 people what they want, they would tell you what someone else wants. So how do you know? So because we're programmed continuously through advertising, through peer pressure, through whatever avenue, right? And I think very few people really know what they want. And if they do want something, it's probably more of something rather than specifically anything. So how do you help? How do we, how do we start to find what we individually truly want? Great question. I think it's a sequencing issue. The success we've had and uh, like example, over COVID-19 experience, just to give you an example, at the risk of sounding uh, braggadocious, and I mean this respectfully, family listening to, is we've grown 150% month over month. Because people are finally asking the one question, which is exactly what you said, what do I really want? However, we don't know what we really want because we've got to unwind what's going on in the head first. We call the four pillars, mother, father, religion, and state. And we've been programmed for so long Admitting that we're programming is the first challenge. Mm -hmm. Our ego says, bullshit, I'm me. And I always ask the same question, like, well, who's me in that sentence? Who's talking? Which voice in your head is the one talking to me? And it doesn't matter, but it's, you need to identify. Well, how do you do that? What does that mean? And it's not this like 
you know, deep therapeutic thing, but it is structural. It is clinical and how to apply it and experience it. And I think it's easier for people to go, well, okay, what if we did this? Let's architect in the not first. This is not what I want. I no longer, I don't want this. I don't want to be in traffic three hours. I'm tired of this job. I'm, I'm hired again. I'm not again. I got to wear a mask. I got to wear, you know, full hazmat gear, whatever. And I'm, I'm not, this relationship is not what I thought it was going to be. I'm not really in the relationship or my partner's not in it, or I don't want to live here anymore because I, because I'm supposed to, or that's cool or whatever. You find out what you don't want. And when you strip that down, then you're going to be back to what I call neutral. And that is, okay, I know what I don't want. Now I have a way to measure, oh, I'm going down that road again. I've done that before. Let's stop. Okay, great. Now I can make a choice versus a decision. And there's a big difference between those two words. And from there, then you can start to go, okay. And then we'll walk you through the academy. And we, do, we teach on three levels. And our three levels are you jump into the experience. I want you to viscerally experience architecting in real time. People go, well, what's architecting? Well, a coach will tell you what to do. A life architect will tell you how to do it. Here's the steps. We're the architect, you're the builder. Here's exactly how it's gonna work. Knock yourself out. You'll see it, observe it, and validate it within your own self. And then we drop you into architects and training. We explain exactly how everything you just experienced works, clinically, applicational experience again. And as you drop into the last levels of architecting mastery, we teach you the process. So you can not only just for yourself, your family, and make that your brand, your business, your, your speaking engagement, your coachership, your mentor, whatever title you want to put on, I don't care. Podcaster, author, we have an ascension model for you to go from zero to public stages within 12 months if you follow the blueprint, if that's what you want. If mm -hmm. nothing else, I least have a set of skills to sit down instead of going, well, you know, David, I'm just going to close my eyes and I'm going to think of Kumbaya and magically I'm going to shit my Lamborghini going to fall out my ass. I'm like, no. Or, or chant about it. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm going to go on social media and go, I'm going to repeat a bunch of shit that I think I understand about other people's shit that I don't understand. But it sounds cool because that will get me more likes. Great. What does that mean? Does that monetize you? Does that make you feel better? Are you not the, you know, the, not the, uh, not the not cool kid anymore. Now you're the cool kid. Like, what does that mean? And so when you go through that, you go, ah, it doesn't have to be this deep therapeutic six years in therapy and talking about why my mom and dad were this or that and blame and all that stuff stops. It's about taking ownership of who you are, not who you think you are mm -hmm. and understanding the difference between those two and giving yourself a true compass north to always measure that is only your truth. And we all know our own truth. We're just really good hypnotists at BSing ourselves. Yeah. And yet we don't even know how we're doing hypnosis. Well, we'll teach you that too and unwind you to show how you're doing it, right? Because that's education. And to me, once you figure out what you don't want, well, what's left generally is going to give you neutral of what do I want? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that, we have a 30-day blueprint that we start you off with, which is really called the 30 days to waking yourself up. And people go, wake up, I'm not asleep. I'm like, that's your first clue, right? <laughs> the moment you say well, you're not asleep, it's interesting you say that, you know, like, you know the, the tagline for the Pocket Mastermind is dream more, learn more, do more, become more. And I, and I, say, and, and I say that it sounds cliche, but to dream more, you've got to wake up first because otherwise you're you, like you just said you're in this hypnosis of thinking yeah. you know what you want and it's a glass box and we're all living in these glass boxes that have we've put ourselves in through the journey that we've been on the people that we've been in contact with and we've got to break free of that glass box and and decide what we really want and what's possible but i think the biggest challenge right the bit for all of human beings is fear of something right we're all seem to be terrified that's why even if you do find out what you do want how do you're too scared to go and do anything about it so how do we then right. overcome that bit <laughs> yeah and it's and uh you know even a, even the the linguistic sequencing of that is spot on 
But even that linguistic sequencing that you gave back, I would beautifully and, and respectfully reflect that too is another glass box just by the way it's said. Mm -hmm. I have to break through it. Well, that means that it was created. Yep. Right? True. The glass box, the illusion is that it's there. Yeah, it doesn't even That's exist. the illusion. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. to break through. It's actually an unwinding of an experience. I mean, when we talk about architect code and mastery, we actually show you how a memory is coded. And it's not like, oh, I remember I was walking through the grass and there was a tree and there's no, yeah. no, dude. That's the visual representation of this actual code sequence of how your brain stores experiences. And they're mm -hmm. stored no different than a computer because where the hell do you think computers are modeled? Exactly. Off of? yeah. <laughs> it pulls from random access memories and pulls all these things together and strings this code and says, okay, this is you walking through the park, David, when you were 13. But that's not what's going on down here at the emotional level, you know, the internal state level, or whether we're dealing with uh, what's our higher value value sequence, what is our belief system structures, all these other things make this code. It's not mm -hmm. just, hey, I walked through the park and shit happened. And so when you understand that, you go, holy crap. I'm like, yeah, this thing above your head is the ultimate super transmitter receiver. Mm -hmm. However, if you don't know the rules of how it works, you are doomed to the whims of a man-made mind. And it ain't you making the mind. It's another man or woman that has made your mind, commonly called the four pillars. And when you go to that space, I think it's really fun from the perspective of we all have what's called the thin membrane of fear. And it happens from the moment you arrive on the planet. I mean, literally, bang, what happens? Well, I went from this really comfortable place to holy shit, it's bright and people are smacking me in the ass and shoving things up my nose and all this other stuff. And I had no idea, no eternal language sequence to understand what just happened. I just have these sensory things firing all at the same time, commonly called feelings. But at an infant level, I went from this infinite being to whoop, now I'm dumb as a brick and I'm trapped in this little body that moves really slow. That's a great slow. way of describing it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't figure My hands are flying all, oh, what do these toes do? Ah, that's great, right? And so all this is going on, but it's, the coding is going on at the subcon level and, and even worse yet, the superconscious, right? Down here at the shadow and it's like da, 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 da. We have all these emotions going on and they don't start showing up until later because we, as we start to become more and more aware, commonly called teenagers, you know, early 20s, 30s. And then, you know, we have our proverbial midlife crisis where we wake up and say, hey, I'm going to go get a red Corvette and a blonde because now all of a sudden I'm going to relive my youth or some weird shit. That too is programmed, by the way. And you go, wait a minute. And I always ask people the same question. I, and I, you know, I invite you to use it. It's one of the you, first two things is the noble truth and the one is called the 30-day question. And I said it a moment ago. And it's a real good way to just kind of perspectively shift yourself and then look at where the fear pops. That's the first clue there's architecture already in place that you have nothing to do with, meaning it's there, implanted, and you've been running your entire world from that space. And this, if you only have 30 days left to live, which many people have had that experience now through this COVID, in your grill, not including all the other stuff that's going on on the planet. I mean, HIV is still very real. Cancer is still very real. The flu is still very real. Yeah. It's all still going on. This one's just getting more attention right now because it's doing some weird stuff. Okay, fine. Either way, you could walk outside and get hit by a bus, assuming they're still yeah. running. But, you know, that still happens, too. <laughs> yeah, so, bus with no one on it. But yeah. <laughs> if there's a bus traveling, I'm a proverbial bus, maybe you imagined yeah. it. But you ask yourself, if I only have 30 days left to live, would I be doing anything I'm doing in my life right now? Undoubtedly, your mm. answer across the board somewhere is going to be no. I would be doing blank. That's your first gap to jump. How come I'm not? People are always going to go to money. I don't have the money. You don't have the money because you're not in alignment with you. Mm -hmm. you know, well, Travis, you understand. 
fuck you, I don't understand. I do. <laughs> I've had money, I've lost money, I've had money, I've lost it again. I've, had, I've spent millions building this architect thing and screwing it up and bad investments and film and television are always solid investments. For oh, yeah, 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 of course they are, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've <laughs> lost never, there's never been a dud in that business. Right, yeah, never got a tax write-off from that because I was a dumb <laughs> shit. So I'm like, I have, I'm a trailer park kid, right? I, I get it, I understand it my, you know, I'm, I'm a half adopted. My, you know, I'm adopted by my father. I understand it. You know, I've gone through abuse, you know, sexual, psychological, verbal, emotional, even physical. I've been through that. Now I'm saying I know everything. I don't, but I've been through a front, a front nine. I know what it feels like. So I go time out. Money is merely just an expression of thanks. That's all it is. And if you're not getting a money to you, there's a high degree of probability. You're probably not expressing a lot of value. You're expressing desperation or a me, me, I concept or, hey, I need this because of that. When the other person is going, well, what does that have to do with me? And I'm not talking about, you know, faithless servitude because everyone's like, I love here to serve. Shut up. No, you're not. You're here to be a part of something simultaneously that serves you and serves them. So let's own both sides, right? When you start shifting how you look at the value of money. So like we do a presentation, you can watch it all the time. It's free. Just to check it out. And it's called, it's called Wealth, Wealth to Riches. And people go, I don't get wealth to riches. And I said, the wealth skills of you and you understand how to truly architect the life on a blueprint, step by step, the riches are the effect of that. That's money, that's relationship, that's connectivity, that's likability, that's being able to travel, talk to anybody culturally and understand we're all on the same journey together and the noble truth still applies. We're all you know, going to leave the planet broken dead. And it changes your outcome. But that's the first place to look at fear. Because the moment you say, I can't, Mm. That's where your fear lives. It's going to be living in an excuse, uh, a justification, a rationalization, some mind construct that you've made up to mentally masturbate and self-hypnotize yourself. I know I'm a beautiful mental masturbator. I've been doing it since I played golf since I was five years old. I know how to mind fuck myself better than anybody. And that's why I teach it. I'm like, look, I, I got it. I got both sides of the coin. I've been the patient and the doctor. I've been both. I get it. And go, wait a minute. What if we educate it from a totally different perspective? And if you think about it from a 30-day blueprint, if I only had 30 days, what would I want to experience? And that's when you dive into, I don't, I think fear is a great motivator, but it's regret mm. that uses fear to push people forward. I wish I could have, could have, would have, because we're all used to that game as an SOP, standard operating procedure at death. Well, I'm going to confess my sins, all the things I wish I had. Stop. Do that now. Otherwise you're robbing two things. You're robbing yourself of the journey here called vacation planet earth. But two, you're also robbing the entire world experience of you. You are a unique being being reflected in the personal spacesuit that you're in. Yours happens to be called David, mine's Travis, but that's not who we are. Those are names that are given to us. And by the way, proof that we're all self-hypnotized, ain't a one of you on this freaking call who picked your name. Yes. It was given to you. And we, oh, okay, I guess I'll be called Travis. And I walk around and go, hi, my name is Travis Fox. Oh, how come? Because my mom and daddy told me so. But that's, that's not your identity. It is a way to identify yes. the body that you're in. So David isn't you. David is the name we identify, that body, so I can find out where you are as the being. And I always invite people. I'm not talking about you know, religious constructs, but talk about this from a, let's say, spiritual perspective. Mm -hmm. You came from somewhere. Yes. Whatever you want to call that. You came in here called birth. Boop, showed up. And you're going to leave, commonly called death going to wherever you're going. Now, whatever you want to call that birth and death sequence is up to you. You can call it heaven. You can call it uh, you know, uh, nirvana. You can call it universal mind, the theory of one. I don't care. I'm not here to tell you that. I'm not that intelligent. 
But what I am going to say is if you just look at the basic blueprint of the universe, it becomes impossible to argue with the concept unless you are such a good mental masturbator. You have convinced yourself that there's just nothing, which, by the way, is the ultimate disassociative uh, sequence that you could create. Ask yourself the simple question, how the frick do these planets stay in orbit? Mm -hmm. Gravity. How does gravity actually work? Yeah, Don't exactly. Like what the hell is it? <laughs> I, I know astrophysicists and PhDs in this world. Brilliant Stephen Hawking kind of minds, and they can't explain gravity. That so just maybe, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just call it God. I'm like, God, God made some shit happen that this little brain of mine that's made of dirt, and you know how you know it's made of dirt? Because if you go look at a dead person six months after they left yeah. their body, it's dirt. Yeah. So you're dumb as dirt. Now, doesn't mean you're not wise. It means knowledge-wise, we're just dumb as dirt. And it's not a way to put ourselves down. It's to keep things in perspective of what's actually happening here. And when you do that, well, life takes on a different experience for you now. Now you can go, hey, there's my mate, David. What's he doing to do a podcast? I want to go help him out. I want to be on it. I want to make his podcast better. I want to help his family. Why? Because you know the end result. The end result is we're both broken dead. So now things change. Money doesn't become this primary, you know, really primistic, uh, mm -hmm. primalistic driver. I got to get more money. I'm going to get mine before you get yours. Brother, you ain't getting shit. You're leaving the planet yeah. just like me. We're broken dead. Now, what you do in the middle, that's cool. Exactly. But guess exactly. what? Steve Jobs, dead. Yeah. Dead. Be Bezos will be dead, right? You know, it will happen. <laughs> guys, guys doing some really cool shit, having a great experience. You know, I know there's an article came out, you know, like $13 billion in one day. Holy yeah, shit, that's awesome. But who knows? Maybe he's an asshole. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know Jeff from a hole in the ground. No. Maybe his relationships aren't that dynamic. Maybe he has a longing in his heart that still isn't fulfilled because guess what? He's still having the human being experience, but he's still a being, but he's having a human version of that. But he's enjoying the journey. And he said, I'm going to give myself permission to create. And that's the first place you get to look at fear. Mm -hmm. How come I'm afraid to create? People think I'm nuts, but judge. Most of that's internal. Our head tells me I can't do this. I can't do that. And I'm like, says who? Again, that's architecting in the knot, which further mm -hmm. validates you are a great creator. You are a great architect. You're just architecting what you don't want. And when you get it, stop bitching. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you from my own personal perspective, this is something I'm interested in. Like for whatever reason, I grew up quite shy and I was a little kid. I was the, I was the kid who hid behind my mum's leg. You go anywhere, <laughs> like you that kind of shit. Sure. And uh, I don't know why that was for any particular reason, for no apparent reason at all. You know, my, neither my parents are particularly shy. My mom is a bit, but not so much, not, not so much my dad. Right. And then I've kind of gradually trained myself to be less shy, but there's still something that sits underneath, right? Whatever that is. And I don't know how the hell you, how you kind of shake that thing. Cause that's the, probably the most limiting thing, right? So it's, it's a, I don't know, self-confidence thing, whatever it might be. But I joined a band when I was younger. That was the biggest change, right? Because suddenly you've then it's almost a different persona type thing. But how do so, Yeah, exactly. So how do we? How, I think most of us have some kind of self-limiting oh. belief of some sort, and oh. I'm really fascinated about how do you unlock that that kind of thing. And then suddenly the I feel like the floodgates would open for many people if you get past. There's normally one major blocker. Well, that's the, that's the part of the illusion in and of itself. If I fix this one thing, the world's my oyster. Yeah. Yes, from that particular point of view. Until you hit the next one, I suppose. Correct, because there's always another journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There'll be uh, something else to, yeah. Right, and, but that, once you understand how to do that, that's what the architectural blueprint's all about. I mean, that's what I've spent my life's work 
doing. I was my, you know, again, I, just because I'm the CEO and founder and I teach at the university doesn't mean I'm not, I'm an idiot too. I'm still working through my shit. I'm working on my next book right now, which is supposed to come out later this year, according to the publisher, but it's a whole called Blueprint to Healing. But I'm the guy that teaches this stuff, but mm-hmm. I still have wounds and things that I need to heal. And I started looking at healing as an example. When people go, well, time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. It no. masks the shit out of them, though. It puts them into a box. For, right. Until they, until, I'll put until the box, box lock open. them away in the closet. But every time I open that closet, bang, there's that box there. I don't even have to open the box. I know what's in that damn box, right? I mean, I'll put a lock and key on that thing with an alarm system and remind myself, don't open the box because that's where yeah. it lives. Ah, but it's still there. And so we don't really heal. What we do is we get into avoidance sequences and we get into distractionary mechanisms and we get into coping mechanisms as opposed to what, what is real healing about? And so I've spent the last really year hardcore diving into healing and I used me as the example. So I went through my own journey of healing deep wounds like you're talking about. Well, why am I shy? Okay, now shy is an effect, but what's the cause? What's the Mm. emotional driver? Way down here in places you don't talk about cocktail parties because they might find out you're vulnerable, which is my favorite illusion. I mean, you're vulnerable. Vulnerable what? What are you talking about? right? But we all go through that thought process. And so it is really a step-by-step system. And so I'm a how-to guy. I, I'm one of those guys, I remember back in sports psych, they're like, well, you just got to be mentally tough and you got to just grind it out. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. It doesn't work. If it did, we'd all be great athletes. That makes no sense. How do you actually do that? How do you let go is one of my favorites. Well, yeah. David, you just got to, you just got to let go and you got to let God, brother. What? What the fuck does that mean? Can you speak English, please? Yeah, what does it mean? Hell, it means nothing. No knows. No Some one. euphemism yeah. that we see on Instagram or TikTok. That you just got to mm-hmm. let go. Let go of my ass. What are you talking about? It doesn't make sense. It is a way for us to continually hypnotize ourselves and avoid facing the beautiful darkness within. I call it beautiful darkness because it's beautiful when you realize you don't have to be enlightened. You don't have to get more light, which, by the way, is one of my favorite ones. I'm like, that's like asking the sun to become more sunny. The sun's a bloody sun. What are you talking about? It shines 24 hours a day just because you turn your back on it, meaning nighttime, doesn't yeah. mean it's not shining. That's why you see the moon. Duh. All right. You're already light. What we're not doing is peeling the layers and lenses, commonly like, like sunglasses, that we put over mm-hmm. our own light to hide, to shame, to guilt, to frustrate, to anger, to wound ourselves and some sort of self-punishment and the ultimate form of self-hypnosis masochism to punish ourselves for not being enough. And of course, that's again, like asking the sun to be more sunny, but that's how we actually approach it. And so when you come back and you go, well, wait a minute, what if I had a step-by-step system where I understand each layer without having to go get a PhD? Look, PhD is really great. I'll save you a lot of time. It's please her daily or please him daily. Figure that out. Everything else is cake, right? Uh, great. And I'm not disrespecting academia. What I am saying is it leaves out the most important part, the being. Mm-hmm. It talks all about the human. Well, the human is expendable. The human is temporary. It is terminal. The being is not. Regardless of your, your religious or ideology structure, I'm not here to tell you what to believe because all paths are going to leave the same. You're leaving the planet, period. Mm-hmm. Got it. Simple. What do we do here becomes a very interesting experience. And when you start shifting the concepts of, wait a minute, Here's how I can look at this. Here's the rules of the conscious mind. And yes, there are seven of them and all of you have them, including me, which is why those thoughts keep doing goofy shit and you can't figure out why you think stupid shit. Because if you, if you can answer that question, that's a good, good start. Where does it come from? Exactly. That's an arc- yeah, yeah, that's the whole point is what is the architecture of where those are coming from? Now, I'm not saying you need to psychoanalyze every freaking thought you have. What you can do is clear the pipe from the, where the thoughts originate 
and create an architectural blueprint, no different than you see the logo over my shoulder. It's an inside out model, but we're taught, you know, outside in. Go find yourself. Hey, David, go find what your passion is. Go find your career. Damn, all you did was invite me to become an addict. I'm a freaking drug addict. I'm addicted to the search. And I think 7 billion people are subject to that same addiction. It is the number one drug on the planet that keeps us distracted, running, doing. And I love what you said. And by the way, kudos to you. I say the same thing. When did you stop dreaming and exchange it for hoping? Mm. When did you stop creating and exchange it for doing? And when did you accept that living the life you want to live is not okay, but being mediocre and passing through life is? Those are three nasty questions and they're designed to screw you up. Why? Because that's where the fear lives. That's where the trauma lives. And I'm not talking about, yeah, I need to go and then my mom and dad, it's all their fault. No, I'm talking about owning your shit and saying, I carry this. I'm still walking around mentally screwing with myself. You, I mean, the, and people are like, man, you know, you, you're messing with my head, Travis. I'm like, no, you do that far better than I ever yeah, could. Yeah, you don't need my help. <laughs> you don't need my help, mate. You're so hypnotized, you don't even know you're hypnotized. I'm going, wouldn't it be interesting if I showed you how you're doing it and invited you to do it for yourself, but do it with an entire worldwide community of architects who are on the same journey, who said, guess what? I just want to be part of something bigger than myself. I don't know what that is, but I know what it's not. I need a system so that I can constantly check and measure myself and reflect and go, oh, am I actually living my authentic truth or am I just talking shit on social media because it sounds cool, right? And really get to the truth because when it comes down to death, and I have had the beautiful pleasure of being around many people who've taken their last breath literally, it is the most cathartic experience I think, I think everybody should have it because the moment then we're going to go all the way back to fear now. So I'm going to bring you right back to your original question. The number one fear is I'm going to die and I have no freaking idea when, how it's going to happen or control over it unless you intervene, which I recommend that you don't. However, we don't do that. So we have this little thin memory of fear that comes from the moment of arrival and birth and it's so subtle that we don't even notice that it's there, but it affects and spider webs through every part of our psyche, every part of our being, our physiology, our emotional being. And we get into space where I'm constantly afraid of death. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean death in the physical, although that's there too. I'm talking about death of a dream, death of a relationship, death of who I thought I was gonna be. All these little subtle deaths are all preparation for it's gonna end. Now the question is, are you really ready to live your ass off? Because if there's no tomorrow, you instantly shift. However, when you get the no tomorrow warning, there's only tomorrow. That's it. You got one day. Now, what if we change that ideology and said, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to go forward and do this. Okay, great. Because guess what? The end result is the same. Mm -hmm. Broke it now, the question is, are you really ready to live? And I think having that architectural blueprint where you have a step-by-step, because -step, again, my life journey was how to. If I hear one more of those feel good, doggone it, people like you and da da da, and you did think it'll fall out of the sky. And by the way, um, you know, it's just a matter of you singing Kumbaya, dance around a fire naked, you know, do some ayahuasca and all of a sudden you're spiritual. Okay, I guess that's a certain way to approach it and there's no judgment in that. However, all I have to do is look at the behavioral effect. If the behavioral effect is identical, then the only thing was changed is you had an experience of something. Mm -hmm. That's it. But change doesn't happen mentally. Change happens at the being level. That's where everything is driven. The brain is just a big transmitter receiver. It's all it is. But we approach it as though it's God itself. It's not. Go see a dead. Hey, go to Egypt. I've been there many times. Yeah. Go there. The pharaohs are dirt. 
Yeah, <laughs> they didn't but come back. The irony. <laughs> it's a true story. And I didn't know this until my last uh, time I was there was, you know, when they embalmed the pharaohs, they would crack the back of the skull and pull the brains out through the mm -hmm. nose. They take all the organs out, bar one, the heart. It stayed mm -hmm. in the body because they believed the pharaoh would need his heart to guide him through true north in the afterlife. Well, shit, that means there's a high degree of probability. They probably means it guiding your life here. Well, <laughs> yep. they're a pretty good culture. I don't know about y'all, but their stuff is still through the test yeah, of time. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, they've done pretty well, they do. <laughs> they did pretty well. I mean, I've been there. I'm like, that's some exacting crap. That's impressive. Yeah. I have no idea how you did it. It's overwhelming. You know, the Temple of Karnak, and you look at Luxor, and you're like, holy crap, how'd you guys do all this? Yeah. And then it starts to make you wonder, well, maybe it's aliens. Okay, fine. We're all aliens. Let me solve it for you. The <laughs> earth was made of stardust. We're all star people, right? So let's just solve that problem. We are the aliens. Yep. Okay, great. Now, what do we get to do while we're here? And I, I invite people to look at it from that perspective of that fear of death haunts us all the time. What if I don't live my life enough? What if I never get the career that I want or the, the money level that I want or the accolades or the, the relationship or my kids are all screwed up or I never get the house or the travel? All of these things that if you actually listen to someone on, who is getting ready to take the great journey that commonly called death, those are the things they talk about. I wish I traveled more. Mm -hmm. I wish I had let myself just go and be I really wish I had spent time with the people that I loved. And love doesn't always mean family. Love means just people. Mm -hmm. And when you listen to those three, you go, you know, we really make this complicated. It's not that complicated, which further, further validates that we are all mental masturbators. We love great mind fucks. That's what we do. But the best part is we do it to ourselves all day long and then have the absurdity to go, no, 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 I'm awake. I'm a master at it. I've done yeah. it my whole life. People, right? <clears throat> people who uh, care for dying people always say, no one's ever said, I wish I spent more time in the office. Do you know? Nope. Uh, Never wish I had. I should have bought that house in 59, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. It's about travel. It's about the experience of it. And it's the best way to I, I invite all the listeners. Listeners, think about life like a theme park. It's like going to Disneyland or Six Flags or wherever you go. It's like a theme park. You come in through birth. Now there's roller coasters, there's cotton candy, there's games, there's rides that you can escalate on that create fear, that create excitement. You know, sometimes you just walk around and get the sun. You're going to get wet on some of the water rides. You get to experience all the rides of life. But when the, when the theme park closes, called your death, your spacesuit, your body stays here. So go experience it all and understand that your spacesuit allows you to breathe here on planet Earth. It allows you to take the infinite you and put it into the finite you. You know, can you have that from touch and sense and smell and through our sensory our sensory systems? You get to experience sex, drugs, rock and roll. And under that, that this set of rules that you adhere yourself to, that's great if that actually aligns with you. Or are you adhering to these set of rules because it's a conformity sequence that your brain, which is by the way, 90% automated, prove it to you right now, how many of you are aware of your tongue? Exactly. Until I made you aware of it, but it's been there the, the whole blood bloody time. coming through your right ear, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, been, it's been there the whole time, yeah, yeah. but you weren't aware of it, no different than you were with your big right toe. It's sending information all the time, and that's just one very basic precursory mm -hmm. experience of, wait a minute, I'm constantly receiving information sensorily, but I'm so busy in my head and the rules of my mind, I'm never in the moment. I'm either in what was, memory, or what could be, what if, future. And neither of them are experientially real, except for when you decide to dive into them and make them real. But then the challenge is what's going on around you becomes this, this is where it becomes the illusion. Oh, nothing here around me is real. Yeah, it is. You've just interpreted it through a layer and lens that, well, this is my life, but in my head is what I really want. Okay, 
Either way, you're creating both. So what would be what would be like and interesting if you just created both that were in alignment at the same time? And it's not this big, you know, move, David. When and I love people that go to, you know, I call them self-help junkies. You know, and I know I used to be in that industry. I was one of those guys that says, hey, who wants to make money? Buy my shit in the back of the room. And until I realized I was a you know, used car salesman and I just couldn't align with it. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just me. I didn't align. I really love teaching. I'm a, I'm a mm -hmm. teacher by trade. And I love teaching not from I have all the answers. It's quite the reverse. I'm like, I don't have any answers, but I got a really good system and questions that will help you come to your own answers because those are the only ones that bloody matter. Mm -hmm. And once you have that wealth, wealth set, you can fly the riches to your life any way you like. I'm addicted to that drug. I too used to be addicted to the search. I'm addicted to the drug of watching people go, I'm the architect. I'm like, yeah, you always have been. But now you get to own both sides. If I'm architecting something I don't want, that you created that too, you'll learn a lesson. To learn really viscerally, experientially, emotionally, right down to the heebie-jeebie tingles on your forearm and the back of your neck, I don't want that. I've done that experience, I'm good. But not from an aversionary, but from going choice. I choose not to experience that anymore. Or I'm architecting what I want. I want to create this. I want to be an author or a podcaster, or I want to, you know, be on public stages. Or you know what? I just want to help, you know, kids um, you know, in Africa build wells, or I want to help the local orphanages. Whatever your thing is, it matters. The question is, are you willing to allow yourself to believe that you matter? Because right now you're you're creating the architecture that you don't matter. I firmly disagree with that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. You'd still be the infinite you, whatever you want to call that. Spirit, Jesus, Allah, Yahweh infinite mind, Buddha, I don't care. That's up to you. I call a great architect for simplicity, right? You're a part of that. Now, the best way I can metaphorically give that to you that I found is, look at it this way. You, you were all a grain of sand on the beach of God, whatever God means to you. The beach doesn't exist without the grains and the grains don't exist without the beach. They are individually unique, but they are tied together to create this beautiful thing called the beach and this beautiful pixelated architecture that we call the beach of God. So you have value, but we're so programmed to believe that you don't have value unless you have $4 billion in the bank account or that you have a penis the size of 12 inches long or you have the perfect <laughs> double D fake tits and an ass implant and lips so big that I can stick you to a doorknob and you'd stay there. You know, all of the shit to fit into an image of deep down inside, we have these big gaping holes that we create that we keep, seeking, we keep seeking to fill from the outside and model. And it's this voracious appetite. I know I did it. I was a part of it in my 20s and my early 30s. I mean, again, when you read my resume, I kind of chuckle and go, what an asshole, right? Because I was so focused on that stuff as a validation to still meet my dad, that dad, I didn't want to play golf anymore. Yes, I'm good at it. Yes, I coached on the PGA Tour. Yes, I've had infomercials. Yes, I've got a lot of changes in the golf world. I just don't love it the way you do, dad. I like it, but I don't love it. I love what I do. That pissed my dad off for the rest of my life. My dad just died in January, 2020. And to prove the point that he has been validating what I have been teaching, he literally had 30 days left to live. He had pancreatic cancer stage four. I didn't even know. And on the day I debuted the other film in January, 2020, that released this year, I got the call an hour before we debuted. My father had passed and he didn't even have the courtesy, the wherewithal to just reach out and say, son, I'm leaving. Jeez. I never got anything from my father. He just left. So it's the same pattern that has plagued his entire life all the way through where it had to look a certain way. And if it didn't look that way, well, he was pissed off at the world. Well, that ended up eating him up from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Pancreatic cancer is a bitch. If you know anybody, it is fast. It is an aggressive, aggressive, very strong driven disease. And I, I said, well, that's a really fascinating. Thanks for that last lesson, dad, because you validated what I've been teaching for the last 20 years. And here's the truth. Bottom line is, it will tear you up somewhere down the road. Now you can, you can bullshit yourself for a while, 
But somewhere down the road, the beautiful darkness will show up. And if the faster we make the choice to dive into it, the faster we choose not to break through it, not to, you know, got to get past it. No, is to unwind it. Because once you unwind it, it literally dissipates on its own because you were the one that created it. And that's a hard pill to swallow at time, family. I get it. You're like, Travis, you don't understand. But yeah, I probably do. And if not, I've got an entire fleet of architects around the globe who are all master trainers on their own who have been through it somewhere in this community. I can go, mm -hmm. I know someone who's been through that, let's jam. Um, but you start looking at that concept, you know, to take it to your grave. You have really got to have a disconnected self to the point of not even to say goodbye, right? Even, you know, fuck you, Travis, goodbye. All right, I can live with that. That's great. Didn't even get that. And again, it's not playing victim status. It shows the pattern of yeah. this is what we do all the way through and that's what the architects of uh, being community is all about is it doesn't have to be that way and i'm not saying architects is for everyone but what if it was a step-by-step -step system where you you're the builder we'll give you the architectural blueprint because when the blueprint you at least know what the next step is and what to look for i find we get addicted to the search and we get lost and wandered off trying to find myself find my career my, my favorite one is i've got to go and find my soulmate what the fuck does that mean Right? I'm like, I'm not saying we're all soulmates. What it means is, what if we're trying to find the one that is actually a great connector? Are you complete me, David? Yeah. Bullshit. You're a whole being. Stop throwing that expectation on your partner and then wonder why the relationship falls apart. Yeah, exactly. You're... Don't project that that dependence right. on somebody. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't make me happy, you bastard, I'm gonna divorce you. <laughs> okay, well, I'll spend my whole fucking life making you happy. And guess what happens on the day when you're not happy? Now what? Because right? there are days that's gonna happen. Because no but, can't make somebody else happy they can't, can't make, make you happy, happy. you oh. choose to be happy or not right? right but we approach it that way you know? I, I heard yeah. the other day and I, I, I and it came out as like this this thing of wisdom and I was like wow I know that didn't come from Travis because Travis isn't that smart but my being showed up and I was like that's really cool and I, someone said to me he said hey you know I really want to uh, you know um I want to meet my match I said what the hell do you want to meet your match for I said meeting your match is competitive it's sounds like know, a war yeah exactly I said, how about you make your match? What do you mean make? I said, what if you created what a match for you is? Now it suddenly becomes this bond. It's like a Chinese finger trick. The more you try to pull away from it, it pulls you together. I said, when you, you know, I want to meet your match. I mean, that's going head on. I said, does that model work for you? And you could see the light bulb went bing. And there was this dead odd silence, which by the way, family, when you get the dead odd silence, that's a pretty good clue. There's some shit going on down here in your guts. You might want to just check into and go, hmm. Maybe I could do it the old way again because I've done that four billion times. Or maybe even though I don't comprehend or I don't understand it, I feel it. And I pull it. And I always quote that great line from, uh, from The Matrix. It's a great line. Your comprehension is not a prerequisite for your cooperation. Mm -hmm. You can cooperate and not understand. And that's when it becomes adventurous. Like when we were kids, it's an adventure. We all want to go on an adventure. But we get adults. It's got to be responsible. And I've got to get up in the morning. I've got to do my, you know, I've got to go to the gym. And I've got to drink my coffee. And I've got to yell at every asshole on the freeway. And I've got to work for a person that I don't like. And I've got to come home for eight hours. And then I've got to deal with the kids. And blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you don't have to do any of that. No. You get to. Because if you had 30 days left to live, I promise you that breath, that coffee, that boss, tucking your kids in, all of it becomes extraordinarily precious. Mm -hmm. Don't miss your life, family. It goes by bloody fast. Super fast, right? And the perception is it seems to go faster and faster with every year that goes by. Right. Um, what another program we get. Wait yeah. till you get older. It goes faster. I'm like, yeah. Time, go faster, Dad? time goes the same speed but our yep. perception because we fill whatever time we've got with bullshit yep. goes fast yeah uh, and you leap 
the, and it, and even worse, so the less you do, the faster the time seems to go, right? So if you sit on, if you sit on the sofa and you watch the same show every Wednesday, suddenly Wednesdays come around real quick. <laughs> and you start looking forward to it. That's when it gets really weird. Oh, hey, half hour until the show. Yeah. Oh, and then when you miss it, you're pissed. You're really upset. I missed the show and you don't understand. And I can't talk on social media about who did who to what. Oh, fuck. Hell, mate. I know. Like, and the other thing is we leapfrog. I think part of the problem is, you know, talking about whether you're doing something that really resonates with you or whether, you know, what's true to you is m most of us not because we kind of sold the dream of go school, college, uni, get a job, some bullshit job that you could have done without any of the education that you got prior to Especially it. Especially today's world. <laughs> yeah, most of, the, most of the jobs are absolute, are completely boring and pointless and... I do, uh, but we we then get into this stage where we spend the whole week waiting for Friday, and then you spend from Friday evening after you've got drunk, wait, dreading Monday. Anesthetizing yourself. Yeah, exactly. The week of crap you know you didn't want to do. Shit, I don't want to remember that. And then you spend the whole right. week dreading Monday coming back, and you leapfrog right. from Monday to Friday to Monday to Friday. So no. your life disappears, and it's hugely important and don't forget the two-week vacation david because i wait oh, yeah. all year to go by two weeks where and then i do the same shit on the i just do more of it i eat more i drink more i sleep more i burp and fart more than i do at home and i'm paying for it but that's vacation yeah and everyone goes oh the first week seems to go really slow the second week goes really because you dread to go back to work right we're leapfrogging we just added more time in the leapfrog i i 100 agree and i crack up and i go so that's 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 traveling that's vacation i'm like oh okay well sure i mean who am i to judge that's I pretty shit right and yeah, like, how do you say you know, we talked about earlier that we were running a bit out of time. We'll probably have to do another conversation on, on the education to, system. It would be great, yeah. But, you know, that's where it all starts, right? It's kind of you, you, the, the programming you've got from your parents, like you said, and the education system that brainwashes you into this stuff. How do we interrupt that early enough mm. so that we're not trying to unwind us? Because I, I think the biggest category for self-help or whatever tends to be 35 to 50 or something because there's so many of us have got to a certain point and gone, this is shit. <laughs> this well, the joke's on us. Help me, help. <laughs> so, yeah. Right? yeah, that's a great question. Early on enough. Now, you and I are mutually aligned there. So uh, our jump, our initial program, which is jump one, jump two, jump three, you get jump certified and it's jumping right into it. So we don't dick around and say, now we're going to give you one little thing. No, I'm going to fire hose the shit out of you, mate. We're going to go right now because we don't have time to dick around. I got in 21 days, I'm going to walk you through from how you were asleep, how to wake yourself up. I'm not going to do it for you. I'm not telling you the right or wrong answers. I'm going to give you a blueprint step-by-step step so you understand exactly what's happening, conscious, subconscious, shadow, how to apply that and get immediate results and see your results as a litmus measure test of where I'm at. So you can see it in real time, both internally and externally. When you have that, then you can go, oh, well, now I've got to be present because I'm aware of all this going on. And it really becomes exciting. Uh, we completed that and we actually, I enlisted the help uh, going back to special needs again. Uh, watching my son, my youngest son who just graduated high school this year, regular high school, uh, even as an autistic, but I watched the educational system try to deal with him. How do we get him through? And I said, stop, teach him exactly like you teach everybody else. He may walk up and down the hall and flap his hands a little bit. And once in a while, he's going to give this sucks because he's going to say how he feels. He doesn't have a filter, but that has nothing to do with his ability to learn. So I watched the system and so I took the jump and I called a, a friend of mine who is a 30 year uh, highly accredited special uh, needs teacher 
and said, I want you to help me take the jump and put it into a syllabus form that the school systems will understand, but the information still is the same. We did it. Matter of fact, we just completed it and we're actually now starting to implement schools here in the United States where they go through the jump training at middle school from 10 to 17. Let's teach them who they are and how to identify that. And as they change, they can take these wealth skills because the wealth skills can't go away. They stay with them. They're in their DNA. They're in their being. They're in their psyche. They understand them. And again, it's not an indoctrination or a political agenda or a religious agenda. It's stop. This is how this works. Okay, great. Math, reading, writing, those are important to a certain degree. But the rest of my schooling was a waste of fucking time, right? It just filled up space so that you could bill me. Yeah. And I don't like that we put people never in education. Ever, ever since. I, yeah, and, yeah I, and I hate that we put people in such educational debt so they become educated so they can go into the workforce and pay it back. I'm like, that's indentured servitude. That's slavery. That's the crap. Debt. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, it's slavery. I know my, my son is a highly educated, you know, master's degree from SC, law degree from Georgetown. Lots of money. And guess what? He's like, yeah, I passed the bar, but I really don't want to be a lawyer because yeah. now I realize, well, I saw the other side. I saw the bubble game, a bubble gum and duct tape. Kind of like when you see the, you know, the rides, you're like, oh, it's held together. Oh, it's a paper clip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I don't want to ride this ride. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize I was risking my life on the ride. Oh, shit. I don't want to do that. And so, and it's not that he doesn't appreciate the law. It's just like, wait a minute. You know, what you think it is and what it is tend to be very different. Mm. So education to me is how come we don't educate the being? Hey, wait a minute. David, you're going to be on this planet for X. Here's a couple of things about how the space suit works that will help you navigate where you want to go. And then it really brings in the, the nursery rhyme. And so my whole thing is, is penetrating the educational systems hardcore. And we're doing it now. And we're already starting in, this, in this, a couple of the United States, the states themselves, because schooling right now is obliterated. <laughs> we had education. Now we don't have shit, right? Because we are so ill-prepared for online education. Oh, bullshit. You are so far behind. We're back in the 1920s. Yeah. Uh, even the 20s called and said, hey, yo, that's really archaic, man. But the, <laughs> you know, the worst code has been done for a while. Right? And so we, uh, we started doing that, and it has made such massive impact uh, on the, the younger generations. And it shows – and I started with um, the orphanages because, again, being adopted mm -hmm. myself – I realized that, you know, especially some of these kids that are you know, completely orphaned or abandoned, they're just thrown into a system and man, they are just literally don't, the education system doesn't want to talk about it, just writes the check and says, hey kids, you know, go work at McDonald's because that's all we really do. We just want to get you to the system so we've met our financial state and obligation. That's shit to me. That's yeah. just crap because there's a lot of brilliant, beautiful, brilliant beings there who have been yeah. through massive trauma who can show you can't break through the glass ceiling, get go, let go of it, whatever word you want to use. And help a lot. So that's where I started, and that's where we continue to go. And uh, you know, our project is to infiltrate all 49, uh, 48 states here in the lower United States, and then eventually Alaska and Hawaii. But then we're starting to take it out now internationally, and going, wait a minute, what if we made that their entrepreneurial journey too? What if we said, what if we took that story? What if we taught you as a teach, as a coach, as a brand, as a podcaster? You don't need to go to broadcast school to become a podcaster. Those things no. are. I, I can testify to that. Yeah, right. I never clue what I was doing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I came from digital radio, and I'm like, this looks like bloody work. Podcast, but shit, this is easy. It's great. And I'll just, yeah. I just got to give it a go. Right, I'll give it a go. Why not? And so, you know, like, to help them go out and do that, and for me, it's to go. Wait a minute. Mm. Everyone has a message, and I'm not saying that every message is going to be the global message of all time. But you have a message, and every person you meet is an opportunity to learn about yourself and with them the same time. So changing the educational system starts with teaching the well skills of how do I navigate me? 
Mm-hmm. What is, how do I get out of my head? How do I deal with these limiting belief structures that I'm not sure where they came from? How do I stop feeling not good enough? And how do I stop creating this illusion that I'm not worthy of X, whatever X is, relationship, money, career, whatever the X is? Or where do I say, you know what, what's my true compass north? How do I really know what I want? Going back to the first of this interview, mm-hmm. you know, what, what do I really know what I want? How many of us have gone through school, gotten our education, and we don't do anything bloody close to what that piece of paper says? Well, we have a big debt. We got a nice fire starter because if you burn that diploma, I promise you it'll start a fire just like any other piece of paper. So it's about as valuable as the fire. That's it. Right? And I'm not saying education isn't powerful. I'm saying what? What are we educating? Yeah. We don't let people really get into what they want until they're, you know, postgraduate and, and undergrad at uni. They've got to go to graduate school. They've got to go to PhD, doctoral work, and that's fine. But what about all the stuff? Yeah. Why you're can't making, we teach making that a bunch of kids make big decisions, and and these days, especially oh. in the states financial decisions oh, about their future brutal. at an age where you know, no idea which way is up. No. Right? So like, make a choice, I, yeah. make a choice, make a choice, make a choice. And, uh, right. Now, yeah, uh, my that. favorite one, yeah, my favorite one, I mean, you, and we went through this too. We all did. It's been going on for decades. It's one of the best hypnosis ever perpetuated on humanity called osmosis hypnosis. And that is by the time you're 15, you got to figure out your career. Yeah. I can barely figure out how to scratch my balls. What are you talking about? Exactly. I just figured out how this thing works and I'm not even sure I figured that out, but I know at least it, does, it goes up and down. I got that part figured out. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, let's back up a step here. Why do they have to figure out? That's what uni was supposed to be, to yeah. go through a bunch of different educational, not because you have to, I got to go through this undergrad shit. I don't want to go through the undergrad shit. I already did that for 12 years. Let me explore. Do I like real estate? Do I like geology? Do I like chemistry? Do I like sexual humanity? Do I like anthropology? What is it? What do I like as opposed to this still system of archaism that says you have to do this to become well-rounded? Well, fuck you. I don't like well-rounded people. I don't want to be well-rounded. I want laser sharp, focused, badass samurais who know their lane so well, they can be dumb as a brick and everything else. Great. Then we all work together as a collective. And now you've got something different where humanity is working in its specificity of mastership. We teach people mastership of amateurs. Be well-rounded. Be, oh, I don't fucking well-rounded. What do you, show me a diamond that's well-rounded. Be no shit diamond's happens. well-rounded. It's angled. <laughs> hey, come on. The only thing that's well-rounded is an opal. <laughs> I don't see the opal mark. Oh, you know, David, you gave me a bloody opal, a fire opal. That's great. What's that worth? About 200 bucks. You give me a, a wonderful, you know, zero flawed, you know, canary diamond. And all of a sudden it's worth $4 billion. Why? Because it took time for that mastership to be created in the diamond. Opals, yes, it takes time, but not nearly as much. And it's a different composition. So how come we're not teaching masters from mm. now? I, if you know chemistry, your thing, then focus on chemistry and math that backs it up. You don't need to go over there and go, well, you know, in chemistry, I need you to go figure out what the English composition is. You have a computer that does it for you now. Who gives a shit? Right? I'm not saying you don't need to know the language, but it's like, we are so good at making people educatedly stupid. We make you well-rounded. Okay, so what do you just keep rolling and what the hell? You're on a downhill slide. It makes no sense. When you look back at the educations back in the day, there was an apprentice and there was a master. And that's all they learned. Your job was to learn, you know, alchemy. Your job was to learn lumber. Your job was to learn, uh, you know, to be a mason. That's what you learned. That's why they're called master masons, by the way. What a concept, right? And I'm like, wait a minute. Our educational system is so busy trying to make everybody mediocrity dull. No. I want to see you become a master and dumb at everything else. I'm a master at one thing. I help people architect their life and lifestyle, and I'm good at helping them build a brand. Beyond that, I'm stupid. I don't know. I, at 48 years old, I got invited to Summit Kilimanjaro over in Tanzania, Africa. One, I'd never been to Africa. Two, 
I'd have never summited anything. I, I'm an ocean kid. I don't like, if it's above 5,000 feet, fuck it, it's cold. Travis don't like that. I've done my time. I don't like cold weather. But before I could even open my mouth to give you all the reasons that a 48-year-old, you know, uneducated amateur mountain climber should say no, my spirit went, hell yeah, I'm in. And that, that journey to the summit and back changed my life. And it changed my life from the perspective of what I learned and the experience that I went through. And I'm still unpacking that some two years later, mm. but it's that same kind of concept. I got to walk behind a master mountain climber who guided me through all this, didn't do it for me, didn't tell me some of the obstacles I was gonna face. But when I did, stopped and said, now let's unwind them. Let's look at the architecture of what's happening here. Why your breathing is doing this. Why your body is freaking out here. Why, what is the fear mechanism that fires when you face your own death? How to deal with that. So how come we don't teach master apprentice, master apprentice? And that's really what the Architects Academy is all about. We teach from architect mastership. But again, we don't have all the answers. We don't. We have really good system of teaching and educating you to your mastership. And then go. And then when we call upon, when someone says, hey, I know I found my mastership. This, this is what I do. Great. Like we know David does. He's an excellent podcaster, great speaker, has a great educational platform. Great. Call David. So you have a network of other masters who have all found and are walking their path of everything we've discussed on this and more and said, hey, now I want to come back and invite people to go through that experience. Or, hey, I'm going to go publish a book with the publisher because we have that too. Or, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. Great. Let's make that something as well. Let's go to public stages because the mastership is what we need. Not masturbating. And we don't need someone who walks around and tells me, you know, I've got to figure it out. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, well, you can masturbate on your own time. You don't need our help for that. <laughs> and if you do, then read a book. <laughs> I'm sure you can figure it out on your own, right? One way or the other, you're going to get mind fucked. Big head, little head, you choose. And so I always invite people, I'm like, well, wait a minute. How come it's not okay to be a master at one thing? Being well-rounded you're a jack of all trades. I know. I thought that was a good path too. That's what the unis, that's what education cheerleader teaches until we get to again, postgraduate or you know, um, uh, socialized territory, doctors, astrophysicists, chemists. And I think that's necessary at that level. But the well-roundedness that they went through, does that really apply? We could make people doctors 10 times faster and God dang it, we need a lot more in this world right now. Now, not because we need to pass them through because there's an emergency and a need, although that's true. It's because we, take, we make them take so long, they get so in debt, they get so disenchanted. By the time they come out, they're like, screw this shit. I'm gonna go to like somewhere in some other country and just practice where I don't have all the bullshit and the regulations and da 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 da, because that's the journey. We've mm -hmm. even compressed that now, where you can't even enjoy that. That's why it's called practicing law or practicing medicine or practicing whatever, because you get to practice your mastership after you've be gone from apprentice, now I'm on the master's path. Mm -hmm. Master doesn't mean you got it figured out. It means you understand you're there to serve in your mastership and to perfect that journey and then pass that on as the teacher that you become to the next gen. Meanwhile, you get to experience your life however you want to experience it through that master. What a concept. Holy shit. And so that's, that's the quest. And so uh, as I came back out a couple of years ago and said, okay, um, I need to do this. My spirit said, you're not retired. Don't even think about it. And I suck at retirement. Anyway. I'm just, that's a another mental masturbation that Travis played upon himself. I don't, well, think, I don't think, Marv, what is, what is bloody retirement? You know, yes. we're not designed to sit around and do nothing. I remember, uh, I, I can't remember who said it. There was someone said, oh, uh, it's, you know, somebody said, what would you do if you uh, had loads of money? And they start do nothing. You go, well, surely you can do that with no fucking money. You don't need money. Right. <laughs> you even need better. Money to do right. yeah. <laughs> if I had no money, at least I can go, I'm broke. 
And people yeah, are like, exactly. oh, okay, well, then they'll, they'll be more interested to help you. You got money, then you're around money. doing nothing. Uh, we're, right. not, we're not designed to do it. Like, find yeah, something I, interesting to know, do. I, I think, you know, I, I think that's a great point, David. I think a lot of people look at it, well, when I get money, I'll be happy. Mm. Yeah, well, there's a lot of clinical evidence that most people who have money are miserable as fuck. Because the, the, the compromises and the self-sacrifice and the self-compromising of themselves. Focus on fulfillment. Exactly. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I, and I, I can tell you an example. One of the best experiences I had was back in Tanzania. It wasn't at Kilimanjaro. But I got the opportunity to go live with the Hadza Bay tribe. Hmm. And they are a 50,000-year-old tribe of nomadics to this day. To this modern day, there's still nomad people who live on the dirt. True story. Yet, I will tell you, those four days of sleeping with them, being with them, getting up at four in the morning and everybody comes together in the fire and we go, okay, we're going to go on a hunt because you don't have breakfast waiting for you in your Starbucks line. And so you can sit there and get your cup oh, of joe and you double half calf calf with a double foam thing and my croissant that's half warmed up and half cold with a jelly belly on it. Shut up, right? <laughs> you have to walk to go find your meal. And we, I remember we, uh, one morning we got up, it was four in the morning, it was a little chilly, you know, and uh, uh, we were walking and we walked six miles before we even had a look at our first opportunity to hunt. And when I say hunt, boys and girls, I'm not talking about with your big 30-06 gun or your 50 caliber eagle blowing shit out of the sky. I'm talking about a bow and arrow, kids, that they just made four hours ago that they actually carved. True nomadics, and they move. There's no houses, there's no running water. Everything is a communal thing. And I gotta tell you, they would break out in song for no reason and just start jamming. And it was some of the coolest things. And I have to tell you, I'm talking about feeling shy. And I, I felt like a dork. I'm like, yeah, man, I can go to an EDM club. I can go, yeah, what's up? And I can do my disco John Travolta dancing. I was dancing with them. I felt like an idiot. <laughs> I didn't know how to be happy and just dance because I was happy. Mm. It was one of the most powerful awakenings where I went, shit, I'm not dancing because I'm happy. I'm dancing because I'm supposed to impress this girl or you know, this group I'm with. I'm supposed to look cool or I'm giving props to this DJ who's just pushing a button. He's not doing really- yeah, he's not even DJing anymore. He's not even a fucking DJ anymore. He's just doing this program, right? The lights and the, I'm supposed to wait for the bartender to come and tell me that's $400 billion for a bottle that I know costs two bucks. But I'm doing all this because it's a show. And yet when I'm sitting in the middle of Africa in the dirt, in the middle of nowhere, nobody can see me. There's no cameras, there's nothing. I am locked up. I don't know how to move. I'm uncomfortable. I judge myself. I'm, and they're just, they're natural. They're feeling it. And they just break out. And I went, Jesus, they're dancing just because they're happy, just because they're alive. And here I am. What a fool am I? It was one of the most powerful awakenings. And I invite everyone, go have that experience. Get your backpack and fuck off. Go fuck off for a week and start off with a hundred bucks and walk. And you will become uber present of every person you meet has value. You'll want to connect with them, not because you want something, but because you understand that every one of us is valuable at that moment because everything becomes precious. Everything becomes meaningful. Everything has, you know, the colors become brighter. The air becomes crisper. Your breath, all of a sudden you become extraordinarily aware that you're bloody breathing. Let's start with that, mm -hmm. right? Those experiences are the ones that you tell at the cocktail parties. You don't go, hey, David, I made $4 billion on my stock exchange. Oh, shut up. That's nice. Who cares? All yeah. you're going to do is incite, I'm not good enough, or it's competitive as opposed to, man, you know what I learned? I learned that I don't know how to dance just because I'm bloody happy. I won't just stand up in a restaurant and dance. I do now. Now I don't give a shit. If I feel happy, I'll stand up and dance. And if I'm a dork and I can't, and I'm about as, I got two left feet and I, and I look like John Travolta's, you know, mentally challenged cousin, cool. Because one of the funny thing is we all are. And I learned that lesson so beautifully and they taught me how to dance. 
And they didn't sit down and go, okay, it's your left foot goes here and your right foot goes there and you put your hands here and it's a two-step and it's like, do you? no, they just said, feel this, let's dance. And I was shocked and I was moved to tears. I was like, man, I've never just danced because I was happy. Mm. I danced because of something. And even at 48, the great founder, CEO, Travis, with all my accolades, I told you guys, I'm only good at one thing. I know what my mastership is. The rest, I'm dumb as a brick. But being dumb as a brick opened me up to the opportunity to learn something like that. And I invite your listeners, I'm like, for those of you right now, feel your heartbeat going a little bit faster, like it's going to break your rib cage out, and you, you, maybe your palms are a little sweaty and you feel uncomfortable, listen. That is called a heart ping. That is your architect within going, hello, McFly, this is what we're talking about. Now, the question is, are you going to have the willingness to jump into your own life, are you gonna to continue to stand on the outside, dancing like you're really happy when people who are dancing because they're happy are? Stop being the observer, be the observed. Meaning you get to feel it, that experience because man, if you have 30 days left to live, I'm telling you, that breath will become powerfully interesting to you. That backpack becomes your life. Meeting other people becomes a connectivity that you must have because it might be the last conversation you ever get to experience, at least in this spacesuit. You might come back as a donkey's ass, who knows, if you believe in reincarnation. So look at it from that perspective. Have those experiences. And now more than ever, since you're sitting around doing nothing. Exactly. Grab a backpack and wander off. Wander off for a weekend. It doesn't, you don't have to go 400 billion miles. Just wander off and see where the journey takes you. Sleep outside. Remember those things up there? Oh yeah, those are called stars. Go check them out. You can see right? them anymore. Yeah. yeah, right. Go check them out. Stop looking at the false light and look at the light within you. You already are bright. You just forgot how to shine. You just had to learn what that feels like. It's such a cool experience. And if you have a step-by-step -step blueprint, well, then it's easy. Oh, okay, I know what I need to do next. I get to look at this. Okay, great. And this is how I unwind that. Now I choose that. Great, good, go, right? And it's a place of really stop judging yourself. Well, I was a master at judging myself, especially I was an, I'm an ex-recovering perfectionist who chose golf. How's that for like, you know, that's masochism 101. Yeah, I'm going to perfect a game that can't be perfected. Yeah, the oh, most difficult great. game on earth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's a great idea. I'm like, wow, that's, what was I, what was I, total knucklehead in a previous life? I'm going to torture myself for 40 years playing a game that cannot be perfected. Even Tiger Woods, who's the most amazing thing since the history of the game, even he fucked it up. It's, I'm like, that's a great idea. Oh, okay, Travis. Uh, I told you guys, I'm not the sharpest tool, but I'm good at one thing. Beyond that, dumb as a brick. And I'm like, wait a minute. So it really comes fun of, and I think the big, now going back to your, your most valid point for me is the fear. We're afraid to be free. We are comfortable with our captivity. We create it and we ask other people to help us create it. Please keep me in this job. Please keep me in this relationship. Please keep me bound to this debt. Please keep me in this, this repetitive consumerism, you know, uh, fulfilling materialism that I think is going to validate all this stuff. I know I did it too. I've had the cars and the houses. I've done it, man. I've done it. I'm not saying I live like a pauper. I don't. It's okay to live a good lifestyle, but just understand that it's temporary. You're just passing through, man. And when you meet mountains like Kilimanjaro, you know, the seventh tallest mountain in the world, and you're at 19,341 feet, I promise you, your house is not what you're thinking about. You're thinking about one breath. How the hell am I going to get off this mountain? And you learn there's something really cool. I think the greatest lesson I, I would share with you from that story is I had the great awareness at 19,000 feet because I was starting to have a panic attack where I started to realize I really couldn't breathe. I was like, I'm in deep shit. And there's no medicine, there's no helicopter that comes to say, there's no 911, there's no cell phone service, there's nothing. It's you in the mountain and the mountain ain't moving. She's been there a billion years, you ain't shit, right? You're just another grand as hand passing through. I realized at the moment that getting to the summit, which is what everyone's thinking, gotta get to the summit, man. you gotta touch the summit, you gotta take a picture up there, that you made it, dude. No, the summit's halfway. You gotta walk your ass back down those 19,000 feet. <laughs> True, Walking yeah. down 
is harder than walking up. And I know that sounds weird for those of you who've never done it. Walking down sucks. It sucks. Everything hurts. You can't get down fast enough, but the faster you go, the more it hurts. So you slow down, but then you want to get down. And there becomes this mental thing of holy shit. And your body wants to go, can we just sit down for a minute? And then if you sit down, you don't get back up. There's all these things that are going on, but you learned that the summit was just halfway. And it was such a beautiful experience of going, ah, I became goal oriented instead of outcome oriented. The outcome was to experience the mountain, not the summit. The summit is a part of the mountain. The whole outcome has become the thing. And that changes your experience of what goal setting is. And I'm going to get your goals, man. You got to have your vision board. You got to do this. Wait a minute. How about this family? It's not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. Give yourself permission to get out of your own way and say, it's going to feel this way, but I'm going to let great spirit, great architect, God, Allah, Yahweh, whatever. How do you want to define that? Intervene because there's something bigger than you going on. And it doesn't mean that you're less than, it means the bigger than you part is the part that's actually inviting you to live. Not the part of you that's actually thinking how it should be. And that's a really cool freedom. And I think if we are really to face the fear of freedom, that's when people really kind of crank. And then all of a sudden you see masters show up and whatever their mastership is, it doesn't matter. It's amazing. Um, you know, I don't know if you ever saw, there's an old movie in the eighties, um, Sir Anthony Hopkins is an amazing soul, an amazing actor. Um, it's called, um, the world's fastest Indian. No, I've not about, seen it. It's about the New Zealander who, uh, who used to go to Debonaville, the, the speed track and the salt flats uh, out in Utah, who built this whole thing, traveled all the way from New Zealand, didn't know the rules, just wanted to run his motorcycle because he wanted to experience it. And he was close, I think it was in his 80s when he first did it. And everyone's like, you can't do it, you're gonna die. And he's like, you know, I'm gonna die on my own terms. I'm gonna die experiencing it. Well, lo and behold, the first time he went and did it, he actually set the land speed record at that. It was 201 miles an hour on a motorcycle. People were like, holy shit. And then he went back and did it several years later. And then they made a movie of his life. And that wasn't his whole life. But if you look at that experience, that whole experience sums up right there. He wasn't afraid to be free. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm willing to die for it. And the lesson that I learned on Kilimanjaro at uh, 19,000 feet was, and I remember to this day, just like I'm uh, talking to you, the voices as audible as they come and said, are you willing to die for it, Travis? Are you willing to die for that extra 341 feet? Doesn't sound like a lot, but that's an hour up and another hour back just to get to where I was, to touch a piece of wood. Okay. But it was really, the message wasn't, was I willing to die for Kilimanjaro? Was I willing to die to experience my own life? Because you're going to. The question is, are you willing to do it on your own terms? Or are you just gonna let death slowly creep upon you, pushing more fear, anger, and guilt, and frustration, and resentment down on you until the point where death becomes inviting. That's where I find the sadness in most people. Death looks more pleasurable than life. I'm like, you obviously don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And that's a horrible place to be. I know I've been there myself. But what if you could actually step-by-step step do it in a very quick way to do it? Would you be willing? Would you be willing to experience it for 30 days? If you are, architects are here. Let's go. If not, Thanks for listening to my bullshit. Thanks for David, let me be on the show. And you know, you can, uh, hopefully you'll find another teacher or mentor or, or who will guide you through that journey because man, life goes by just like that. Like you said, older you get, the faster it goes. An interesting adage, but it is an interesting effect. So maybe they can ponder that. True that. And uh, like you say, 30 days is a very small price to pay to try and figure out the rest of your life right? well we've been locked down for four months so oh, we've already yeah. done that so there's there's three times over right that's 
that's gone bloody fast as well, isn't it? <laughs> right. I mean, it'll be 2021. We're like, remember when everyone said 2020, the year of vision of all this bullshit came out on here. And everyone's like, <laughs> it was like right turn, Clyde. I mean, we're like, I've, I've said this year because uh, I started off this year. I actually was in the Philippines when the volcano went off. I was there. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. So I've had the volcanoes. I've had the earthquakes. I've had um, massive storms. We have COVID-19. I'm like, Bloody hell, all I need is a tsunami and zombies, and this year's a wash. I've got it. I've got it. I'm, I'm waiting for the zombies to show up so I can just sit back and go, you know, I saw this show. I saw The Walking Dead. I know how to handle this now. Great. Thanks for the blueprint. Just Anything can happen. We're in election year. <laughs> right. and then we got an election on top of that, <laughs> like the economic restructuring, right. social restructuring, right. rioting. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, talk about unwinding things. We're doing it at a lightning speed. And I'm like, cool. That could be in a great invitation and opportunity. But yeah, I'm like, uh, I'm like, it'll be 2021 before you blink. And guess what? They'll still have Christmas sales on Amazon. Of course. That's the trick. It's like, Christmas is still going to be a thing, bro. Oh, it's been a great year. You got to be grateful for something. So buy shit. <laughs> buy loads of shit you don't need. <laughs> before, we, uh, before we wrap up, I'm going to do yeah, the quick, uh, quick fire round questions. Okay. Get your take on these things. So question number one, do you have a morning routine? If you do, what does that look like? I do. Wake up. <laughs> good. <laughs> I see yeah. you did it successfully today. Yeah, did it. I'm, I'm told you I'm good at one thing. I'm done as a prayer. Yeah, I don't believe in morning routines. Uh, I think that that is robbing, robbing you of being present. Each day is a slightly different experience, and why not? It should be. If you mm -hmm. do the same thing over and over again, you're asking a square peg to fit into a round hole, and when it doesn't, you get angry in the freeway and yell at people, or an example. So just let yourself be where you are. Experience that. There's something going on. Let's take a look at it. Nice. I like that take. Yeah. Uh, three books to recommend and why? Mine, the one over my shoulder, Architect That. My second one, no I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, my, actually, my fourth one's coming out later this year, but you guys will figure that out later. Uh, I think the two books that have impacted me most, obviously going back and giving credit to how I started my whole journey, uh, Dr. Dennis Waitley, who is, you know, getting up there. And I had the pleasure of finally doing two films with him this year and being with him and thanking him and and some of the compliments he gave me. So if you ever read The Psychology of Winning, it's still a great book. I mean, it's written in the 80s, but it is really powerful. The other two that I would say go hand in hand um, are uh, Miyamoto Musashi's The Book of the Five Rings, which goes back to the 14th century of the only undefeated samurai in history um, and how he wrote that book and what the five rings actually mean and how you do personal development. And I think the other book is I Am That, written by, um, by Maharaji uh, in the 1800s. And it is a really solid look Probably the deepest book you're going to read. So smoke a bowl, drink a bottle of wine, do what you need to do because you're going down, you know, Kansas is going bye-bye. You really need to, deep. this book is, is, every time you read it, it will take you to another place. But it'll invite you to understand that the being within and the mind you think you are are very different things. And when you understand that they can work in unity, but it's the sequencing issue mm -hmm. and how he does it. Uh, you know, Maharaji was a, a sixth grade educated man, but was truly evidence that we are all enlightened it had nothing to do with his education because we're all wise we're just following our knowledge instead we're getting yeah the the, the uh interference has in the way, yeah. right? transmitter receiver uh, yeah exactly three three people that you follow or listen to uh that you'd recommend me and anyone listening also look up are you talking about like social media or just personally uh, in any in any format really uh, i listen to a lot of my architect council um, they're from all walks of life, um, CEOs from, you know, multi-million dollar companies who've walked away to housewives, uh, and, and house husbands for that matter. Um, I listen to them daily. Um, uh, they're on the council for a reason and they help me shape what the, what the academy looks like and what we're doing, uh, to, um, 
which will sound really odd. Uh, I listened to a very good friend of mine. Uh, his name is uh, Sifu John Goff, who is an amazing Qigong master, amazing Tai Chi master, and the journey he's taken to mastership, and, and he's now a sixth Dan. And I, was, I actually got to be with him the day he got his awarding the sixth Dan. Um, he's one of the most experiential teachers I've met, and I've been a martial arts since I was 13. And I always thought it was about, you know, yes, it's the development of self, but you know, getting the moves right and perfecting it. He takes it to another level. I listen to him a ton. And I think the last and probably most important, I listen to my being. I listen to my architect. I wasn't always good at that. I kind of sucked at it in my 20s. In my first marriage, who I'm very good friends with my ex-wife to this day. But I, you know, um, I didn't listen as well as I could. I thought I was listening, but I wasn't listening. I listen now inside. Um, and it isn't something that I have to do where I have to sit down and, you know, do a meditation or be in stillness. And that's important. I do do that as well when I feel the the time is right for me to do it. I listen all the time. Like even now throughout this interview, there have been things my mind wants to say. And I'm like, but yeah, but that's not what my architect is asking me to say. And some of it's, you know, being more vulnerable. Some of it's saying things that, you know, aren't necessarily comfortable that, you know, you know, founders and CEOs and teachers aren't supposed to say. And I'm like, well, according to whom? I'm just speaking what feels right for me. So I think the most powerful one is listening to myself and developing that skill and sharpening it to a fine razor's edge and to that laser focus is now um, is really the, the journey of my own life. Nice. Uh, three, this penultimate question. So Ooh. three uh, tools, systems, apps, whatever, that you use on a regular basis and couldn't live without now. Well, shamelessly promoting myself, architect, because I'm in it all day long. Um, I would say the app that I use most is my phone. In totality. Yeah, the whole damn thing. It's not in a particular, and there's a, there's a myriad of things there. Um, I think communication apps are the most powerful for me because we have architects all over the world now and, and you know, we're, we're pushing, you know, some 50, 60 countries now and going bigger. And so like WhatsApp has become extraordinarily important or Talk or WeChat because of the ability to, you know, reach different regions, demographics. But I think overall the biggest app I use is my phone. I'm just on it. You know, I'm not not present, but I'm on it, right? And I'm like, okay, and if people need to reach me, they can. Um, otherwise, I think the other one, and this is going to sound so <laughs> just absolutely rudimentary, <laughs> but it's true. Uh, Calendly. Yeah. Damn. And I'm like, well, I'm, I was used to back in the day. I, you know, I had an assistant that did all that. And so I got really lazy. I was like, damn, Travis, you own your own damn responsibility. Get your own schedule. So Calendly helps me kind of keep track, like when to show up to the podcast on time. Cause I'm, you know, I can be talent. I can be notorious. I can be a diva and go, oh, I'll be there 15 minutes late, mate. Well, <laughs> bullshit. That's disrespect to the person who's invited you to the show and all that crap on way. So I think <laughs> I, I'm not an affiliate for Calendly. So I don't want to think that I am. I just found that that app really helps kind of keep me on point and point. Cause my mind will wander off and do stupid shit too. I get, I told you I'm a good mental masturbator. So I'll wander off. So those are the ones I'd recommend. Yeah. I think it, calendar is uh, very useful uh, use it all the time. Deserve every, every, every thank you with a dollar bill that they deserve, they deserve. Cause they yeah. have truly made it easy for the rest of us. You know, me as one being an idiot. I'm like, great. Thanks man. So yeah. Final question. Yeah. If you spend uh, one hour with anybody dead or alive, who would it be? Me. I'd spend it with <laughs> I don't mean yeah. that from a narcissist to, point of view. You get to yeah, do that. Yeah, I've I've spent I've been like you, mate. I've been in television media a lot, and I've met I haven't met everybody. I won't perpetuate that. And obviously, there's great teachers and avatars. You can you can you can think Gandhi and Jesus and Socrates mm -hmm. and Plato, but their works have already transcended time. So you can kind of take the essence of who they are and absorb that. But yeah. I haven't spent enough time with me. I, I miss the first part of my own life being Dr. Fox and being the stage guy and being on television and being what everyone else thought 
that's supposed to look like, including myself. I haven't spent enough time with me. And I don't, th- I, I, you know, I'm not saying anybody else needs to do that. But for me, if I had an hour, I'd sit with me because I want to make sure if I'm leaving planet Earth, I've experienced what I said I wanted to experience. If I haven't, I want to go do it. If I said what I needed to say to someone, have I expressed my love or my gratitude or my thanks for everything, all of it, the good, bad, the right, the wrong, the up and down. Um, did, I, did I connect and say the things and leave to my children everything that I could possibly leave because I can't take it with me and there's no point. Saving it for rainy day is, just makes no sense to me. I think that uh, also too, just to, just to be at peace with ourselves is the ultimate gift. And it's one of the searches that we're addicted to over time. I was addicted to it hardcore in my 20s, really hardcore. And I never found it because I was constantly searching. So sitting with me um, and then just being present with wherever I'm at. So that's, that's probably where I'd spend it. Nice. I like that answer. Very good. Very, very good. I appreciate that. Um, yes, sir. That's, so that's, that's my quick fire. Done Thanks for the questions, though. Those are cool yeah. questions. I might borrow a few if you don't mind. I'm like, that's a yeah, really yeah, good question. I think it's quite interesting because everyone has slightly different takes mm-hmm. on the answers, the way to answer them, and, uh, yeah, they, they seem to work quite well. So, yeah. Um, well done. Where can people track you down, Travis? Yeah, easy. Uh, obviously, social media, it's easy. It's Travis Fox 360 across the board. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, obviously LinkedIn, it doesn't matter, but you can find me on LinkedIn. The easiest way is just go to the, go to the website in the Academy, jump in. We invite people to experience us for the first three days. It's not a, Hey, there's a lander and, but wait, there's more and just fucking experience it. Right. Cause it's either for you or it's not, I'm okay with both, but I don't want to waste your time or mine. I'm looking for the next million architects. I got 10 years to finish this and then I'm going to step down and go emeritus and give the company to the board and then they'll take the journey wherever it goes. So, Go there. It's architecting360.com, architecting360.com. And it'll say right there, get started now. Experience the first three days of the jump for free. You'll be popped into the academy. We're an interactive academy. So it's not just watch my video and get some shit. No, it's going to stop you. It's going to quiz you. It's touchscreen interactive, point and click. And it's data collect because we're educators. I'm a teacher. I love teaching. I love watching people wake up. It's super cool. And that first three days, it's visceral. You'll feel it, you'll get it. Plus we're an enclosed ecosystem. So there's chats, there's groups, there's feeds. You can talk to other architect trainers, architect advisors. You can talk to other people around the world who are going through the same journey, developing who they are, becoming these these beautiful brand messengers and architects themselves. And that's all for free. It's unlimited use. You get audio programs, meditation, singing bowls. I mean, you name it, it's there as a way to go. Let me explore what works for me, which is how uni is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And at least that's how I think it's supposed to be. What do I know? But yeah. that's how I designed it. So go to Architecting 360, try the first three days. And if it's something you like, then we'll show you how to start architecting your life. And there's very simple programs. We have finance options. So don't give me this money crap, right? We're going to make sure if you're ready to change your life, we're going with you. If you're willing to invest in you, we're willing to invest in you. And we will show you how to make a business out of it so that you're on purpose, passion, and point. Because I want to watch that. I want to be able to stand there and go, I remember when I was on David's show and we were chatting about some stuff. And da-da. now look at this guy. Holy shit, he just sold a show for $100 million like Joe Rogan did. Holy crap. I got to be a small part of that. That's a killer drug. That's a killer drug. And so go to architecting360.com. Experience it. If it's for you, we're here. If not, thanks for stopping by. Amazing. Travis, it's been, it's been brilliant talking to you. And uh, we're definitely, we've got so much more to cover. So we'll, we'll book in uh, a follow-up for this. Anytime, man. I'm in. I love this guy. You and I could jam all day. I might forget the listeners. You and I could talk. They just have to listen. We're talking. <laughs> 100%. 100%. But, uh, yeah. Thank you very, very much. And uh, we'll speak again soon, mate. Okay. Cheers. Pretty well.